Hello, everyone, and welcome to the VLGA Connect. Hang on. You're not Chris Eddy. I'm not Chris Eddy, Mr. Cooper. Hello, I'm Alison Watt. Nice to see you again. (laughs) Thank you for acknowledging my powers of observation. This should be fun, Alison. It should be. I'm looking forward to it, Steve. Terrific. Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello again and welcome to this week's edition of the VLGA Connect Governance Update with thanks to our good friends at Hunt & Hunt Lawyers. And as we've touched on just prior to the introduction, Chris Eddy is away on international assignment and we've got Alison Watt here today. Welcome, Alison. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, no, I thought you were an obvious choice to, uh, to pick up a couple of these sessions while Chris is away because... And you might like to explain um, to some of our listeners who may not know you what your background is that might qualify you for talking about this uh, this governance topic. Yes, thanks, Steve. As you can probably tell by the colour of my hair, I have been around for a while. Um, (laughs) Been around the block a few times in local government, so about 25 years, I think, uh, in total. So um, not quite as much as you, but um, a a few years. Um, I've worked at a number of councils during that time, um, Brimbank, uh, Nilambic, uh, Mooney Valley a couple of times, a couple of stints at Mooney Valley and more recently at Macedon Rangers. So I've worked in governance roles and also in comms roles as I'm, I'm a journalist by trade. And so uh, my foray into local government was in the comms space. And then um, as you often do uh, with governance, you inherit governance uh, along the journey. So uh, I did inherit, inherit governance um, well, along, the, along the way. Sorry, Alison, we've got a couple of stories that we're going to unpack, so your journalistic prowess might, um, might come to the fore there. And uh, presumably that gives you a different, um, a different lens through which we, uh, we look at these issues. Sure. Okay, so let's go. Actually, one thing that we possibly should have mentioned um, uh, on weeks gone by, and you and I have talked about it during the week, that topic about CEO side hustles, what's, um, what's brought that to the fore? Oh look, um, I, I I receive um, I'm I'm on LinkedIn um, as most people are, and um, the CEO of Whittlesea, Craig Lloyd, um, many many um, viewers might know, is um, a very accomplished country and western singer, um, and he uh, has released a, a single which uh, recently uh, won an award. Uh, I think I had to listen to it, and it's actually very good. Um, it's called Take the Wheel. Um, you can. Um, uh, have a listen through Spotify or your uh, preferred um, application. And I think Craig's um, actually heading to the um, Country Music Festival in Tamworth. Is he? Uh, I didn't know the Tamworth bit. Um, and I was a bit like you. I just um, searched Craig on um, Spotify and the song came up. And actually, it is pretty good, isn't it? It is. It's great. It's great. So good on him. That's a, that's a great. Um, and then, and then of course, that, that got us having the discussion about CEO side hustles and the fact that, of course, you know, although CEOs are extremely busy people and um, put in a lot of hours into their jobs, they do have hobbies and interests um, and, and a bit of work-life balance. And I thought that it might be an interesting topic to, uh, to, to talk about. Well, people might want to actually make a comment on, on, uh, 
on known um, and respectable CEO side hustles. Like I know your former CEO, um, Bill Forrest, at Nil- who was your CEO at Nillenbeek, Allison, was an accomplished or and remains an accomplished violinist. He is, um, he is, uh, and was and is a very accomplished violinist, Bill, and he'd, he would never um, pass up an opportunity to whip out his violin um, and and um, and put on a bit of a performance. And, you know, the staff who worked under him at Nillenbeek um, will remember that he there was always an end-of-year staff review um, <laughs> and Bill uh, never let anyone, um, including his exec team, um, get away with not taking part in that review, and so there was um, always lots of hilarity at the end of the year. But um, he, he is an, he's an amazing violin player, Bill, and I think he's currently on the board of the Melbourne Chamber Orchestra. Um, not sure, but um, uh, but one thing that I do um, remember about Bill and his violin playing was um, the day after the Black Saturday bushfires, which of course decimated um, the Millenbeck mm-hmm. community, and. Bill, Bill got in the car with his violin and drove up and just stood in the main street of Hurstbridge and played um, the violin. It was, you know, quite amazing. Yeah. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to do. And I know we yeah, talked... Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, we talked about the fact and probably quite different hobbies that Michael... A couple of former CEOs. So Michael Tudball, a former CEO at um, South Gippsland, and, and I see on Instagram Michael posts his, um, his bike rides. He goes out for hours and um, these clever little maps pop up saying where he's been, um, yes. similar to your hobbies. And um, uh, Margaret Abbey, who was at um, Marandindi, um, was quite accomplished in some sort of handcraft, Alison. Um, it was lace making. Um, so my Margaret, when she left Marandindi um, a, few, a few years back, um, she was actually involved um, in lace making at an international level and she was sort of heading overseas to... Um, I, I think she was on the committee uh, for in, uh, for lace making at an international level. So that was a very interesting side hustle. But I think um, we'd be interested in hearing from uh, um, from other CEOs about their about their side hustles. I think it's an interesting little topic. Well, and sort of is important to encourage people to have work life balance, Alison. So uh, and you're back in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, yeah, people um, should get those in. Now let's move on to some local government matters, though. City of Greater Geelong, and congratulations to the Cats. As a, I feel warm and as warm and fuzzy about that as any other um, premier, any other team other than my own, um, which I'm not going to mention. Um, they did a very quick road naming, Alison. <laughs> they did. I was I was watching the uh, watching the news on Sunday night and um, was quite surprised to see the mayor of uh, Geelong announce. Um, the renaming of the main street as Premiership Way, um, complete with the street sign. And I thought to myself, gee, um, gee, that didn't take long. I wonder if they went through the geographic place names process and um, the required community consultation to get that up and running uh, in 24 hours. But, um, of course, it's only um, temporary and for the media, shall we say. Knowing, no, knowing full well, yeah, you wondered if, knowing full well that they hadn't. Um, but interesting, and um, and props to the city of Greater Geelong because uh, obviously um, the council's affected when a you know a local team is going to win a premiership like that need to do their planning months out, um, as evidenced by um, a series of road closures uh, in Geelong on the Saturday night, and presumably as part of that planning, the announcement of a temporary renaming was part of that. Yes, yes, and it's sort of um, I was at the city of Mooney Valley. Um, 
the year that Essendon won a premiership, Steve. Not sure quite what year that was, but um, we, there was also lots of lots of involvement from the council at that level. I think, you know, we had a, um, a parade down Puckle Street for the players at that stage. It was pouring rain. We had to sort of um, buy every umbrella that we could find. But um, a, lot, a lot of work goes into those community events. Let me say, Alison, that sounds like a fabulous event that should have been celebrated. And uh, Are you an Essendon supporter? If you wouldn't mind, thank you. <laughs> Can we keep going? Yes, yes, you may. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one right there. Um, Chris and I have talked about the, um, speaking of renamings, uh, the renaming of the former Moreland City Council as Marybeck, and there's been news on that this week, Alison. The, the, I guess the news is that it, that it is official and there was, on Monday, there was um, some unveiling of the of signage, uh, not, not so much branding, but certainly signage and the names of the signs at the Coburg Town Hall um, and um, and the other sort of, um, you know, a soft applications, um, website and social media branding and that sort of thing, the things that are pretty quick and easy to do um, have all changed. But um, as we know, the you know, the sort of more long-term, the, the, the hardware, the street signs and the, and the, uh, pavilions and parks and that sort of thing will will take um, take a bit of time, but they have they've done um, a pretty slick rollout, um, you know, and in a, in a short space of time. Yeah, high praise from a former communications manager. I could see the cogs kind of ticking as to how you would approach the task with the the soft easy wins and then rolling it, out the it's, hardware. Um, it's a it's a massive task, not an easy one, but um, you know, but the amount that they've been able to do in a very short space of time has been quite amazing. Props to the Mayor, Mark Riley, and to CEO Cathy Henderson and the team. Yeah, at, absolutely. At now Marybeck, um, which is just a terrific um, a terrific piece of work that they've done. Um, moving to another um, matter, Alice, and, and we won't, we'll just touch on this because I, I suspect Tony Rownick and I next week might uh, might dig a bit deeper, but what do we know about uh, waste charges for Airbnbs in the Dorset Council in Tasmania? Yes, you sent me through the link to this um this story, Steve. Um, so the, this this Tasmanian council, um, because it cannot um, get rate revenue from Airbnbs because they are not deemed commercial premises, um, has decided to um, increase uh, the waste charge on those premises by about two thousand dollars. So the waste charge is uh, increased from nine hundred to over three thousand dollars, and so. There's been a bit of debate in the media down there around the legality of that, um, which I think that you will unpack that with Tony when you speak next week. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm expecting we will have a, a conversation around the fairness. You made an interesting comment, though, Alison, around um, the consultation process um, associated with that decision by the council. Or, or lack thereof. Oh. Um, yes. Um, an interesting comment Um I think it was from the mayor, or I'm, I'm just not quite sure who the comment was from around the lack of consultation, which was, um, well, we didn't do any consultation because we know that people wouldn't have liked it, so we just didn't think that there was any point. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure that that's um, um, consistent with perhaps the Act or um, any other sort of um, natural justice processes sort of generally accepted good governance practices and we know yeah. that the ombudsman over a couple of matters um including some epa decisions regarding waste spoil um around Buller, um the ombudsman had commented previously that 
of the importance of consultation, even when you think you know what the answer is going to be. So, um, yeah, we'll watch we'll watch this with interest. And as I said, I think Tony and I will come back to it. Um, Councillor Conduct rearing its head, Alison. Um, the Ganawara Council meeting, I know a lot of people have spoken to me over the last week or so regarding um, the debate uh, on the referral of a matter to a Councillor Conduct panel. Yes, Steve, that, um, that, um, the footage of that council meeting is available online if, um, you know, people haven't seen it yet. But certainly, um, I, I think a difficult um, council meeting, perhaps for, for the chair, um, in relation to where uh, some of the debate went and how to um, handle some of the, um, the comments that were made by, um, by councillors. And I think, you know, the crux of the matter is that the, the only decision that council was being asked to make was to refer the matter to a conduct panel. Um, it wasn't um, it wasn't being asked to comment the, um, on on the incident or the matter which has triggered um, the referral to the conduct panel. So um, a bit a bit of a tricky one up there. Yeah, look, it was. And, and for those that haven't seen it, I suppose you, you're quite right. It's not the role of the council to determine innocence or guilt, but to decide, I suppose, whether the matter um, in the framework of the misconduct under the Act and the Code of Conduct is serious enough to refer to a conduct panel. Um, one of the councillors made a comment um, in relation to the CEO, and I think to your point, um, it seemed to me that the mayor slipped up because he, he not only pulled the councillor up as soon as the CEO was mentioned, but then uh, when Challen said, I know where you're going with this. So what that led to was a couple of councillors going back at the mayor about him being a mind reader. And yeah. really um, sort of, I guess, a pattern of dissent in the chair, Alison? Yes. Um, you know, the, I think unfortunately the chair did um, did call out a councillor for um, something that he, that he thought that he might say. Uh, <laughs> That in fact wasn't said, um, although it, it, it potentially could have gone that way, and, and maybe he was trying to nip it in the bud. But you certainly can't, as a chair, preempt what someone might say and then yeah. act before something's been said. I don't know, Alison. I think you know if, if the councillor, if a councillor felt aggrieved in a call by the chair, they could make a motion of dissent. Um, otherwise, um, generally speaking, it's best um, just to let the matter lie and for the meeting to proceed. Uh, in, indeed, but um, you and I probably both know from um, years of experience um, at council meetings and, um, you know, not only documenting uh, or minuting um, meetings but providing advice to the chair um, that um, you might, motions of dissent are often very messy and, and tricky uh, for, um, for elected folk to navigate. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny how often the governance rule will say it's not meant as a motion of no confidence in the chair, but it seems that it is. My take, I guess, is, and it was interesting, I was reflecting on this during the week, Alison, that I think for my first 30 years in local government, I never saw one. I thought it was just one of those things that was out there. But they seem to be more common, which probably is a reflection on, um, I guess, a decline in standards in council meetings, perhaps. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I've... Um... I've seen perhaps, perhaps a couple, um, and they're and they're both pretty messy and pretty nasty, uh, and not something that I would um, want to go through again or wish uh, any councillors to go through again. They uh, they need to be handled very carefully. Yeah, and it takes um, it really does take a skillful mayor to kind of navigate that to bring it to the issue at hand, which is the motion of dissent, 
um, to deal with the outcome of that and then one way or the other to move on uh, without any ongoing rancour. Let's move on then. What about uh, interesting and sort of um, distantly related situation during the week at Wyndham as reported by The Age? Um, Alison? This this was has been reported and is a, is a matter of public record and it um, there was a decision, um, uh, a motion at the council meeting at Wyndham on Tuesday night where um, a councillor who is the um, subject of a bullying allegation um, um, put forward a motion to have the report, a confidential report that um, that deals with that, um, that that allegation that be made available to um, that councillor's fellow councillors. This has been ongoing for a while. Um, this and this report has been kept confidential. The councillor who against whom the allegations is being made has has said, and the, and and the motion um, was passed. Um, I um, that she was happy for um, her fellow councillors to get a copy of that and to and I think she's you know said publicly that she's um, doesn't believe that she's done anything wrong and is um, keen to clear her name. This was in response to a notice of motion by another councillor to escalate the matter to. A conduct panel, as I recall, Alison, um, and I thought that was an interesting one too. That, um, and in 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 that sense, well done to that councillor concerned for, you know, that notion of putting the matter out in the open and allowing it to be dealt with in the process, rather than as we were talking about before, kind of arguing the point before it even got there. Uh, just a sidebar, Alison, that um, Chris and I spoke previously about governance rules at Yarra, and that has continued to draw um, media attention. Um, and I'll come back to the quality of journalism in a minute, but um, it is a reminder that I did get a note um, from Livia Bonazzi, the CEO at Murrindindi, and thanks for that, Livia. Um, let me know if I verbaled you unfairly, but Livia made the point we were talking previously about um, Borbor's governance rules allowing for, quite deliberately, for um, a remote access to the council meeting for, you know, for questioners from the public, um, and Livia made the point that the local law, or the governance rules, I should say, old habits, um, still need to actually accommodate those who might have poor internet connection or for one reason or another might not be comfortable to ask the questions um, yes. yep. via, the, via the web. And good point, I think. So, uh, Livia, thanks for that feedback. But on the topic of journalism, uh, there was an interesting story from Bega Valley um, on the ABC um, news services Alison uh, with the heading the heading on the on the link that I've got says Bega Valley Mayor slams developer after incompetence claim so that certainly got my attention yeah an, an interesting um, an interesting story Steve where um, a, de a developer um, a, um, is clearly uh, frustrated by um, the timeliness of the um, processing of uh, his applications and has um, had a fair whack at um, council staff. Um, perhaps unfairly, um, I would have thought, um, if you read uh, the article, um, a lot of those councils are still dealing with um, the aftermath of bushfire yes. planning applications and so forth. And, you know, we know that in um, rural councils, there are not big numbers of, of planners and so forth. So um, I think the criticism um, was a little bit unwarranted, but the mayor, um, the mayor did have something to say about it. And, and good on the mayor and good on the ABC, I thought, for, show, uh, for disclosing both sides of the story, Alison, because the mayor went back and said, well, hang on, um, A, 
this developer has, there are numerous occasions where unapproved works have proceeded and B, the works haven't ceased when notices to cease have been um, issued. So um, it would appear that the project plan um, might not have taken appropriate notice of getting the approvals in place before the work got started. Yeah, indeed. And I think, you know, it comes back to um, balancing journalism here, I think. And as you said, uh, this, this one was a good example where there was both sides of the story. But um, if we think, you know, if I, if I think back to the debate around the governance rules at Yarra and I was actually sort of in the car listening to uh, drive talkback radio um, where there was, you know, lots of sort of opining about how terrible it was that residents had to lodge questions uh, in advance and, you know, some discussion with the local residents association and so forth, um, but there, but there wasn't um, a, a right of reply or an opportunity for the council to respond to those. And you know, I was kind of driving down the highway, yelling at the radio as I often do, um, because I think you know, local government's always been uh, easy fodder um, for for some people in the media, and you know, it's it's really it's it's part of the reason why sometimes we get a bad name. And isn't that the point, um, Alison? That I don't think anyone's saying to the media, don't be, don't scrutinise local government, because of course it's a really critical role for the fourth estate. But um, you know, maybe as as people involved in councils, what we should insist on is that you know both sides of the story are you know are fairly given. Yeah, and probably you know I think um, probably I think a lack of research too from some of the from some of these media outlets, and it's very easy to pluck things from social media and then run it as a story without doing the due diligence. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was uh, in journalism um, a very long time ago, Steve, um, um, I won't say how long ago, but, you know, you had to, it, it was it was pre-internet where you could just look things up uh, and you had to do your research and make sure that your facts were correct. And so if we use the uh, governance rules at Yarra example, you know, if, you, if the producer of that program had um, had a look at, say, the governance rules of it, 10, five or 10 other councils, they would see uh, pretty pretty similar um, um, provisions in their governance rules around how to manage public question time. So I just, I get frustrated at the lack of uh, due diligence and research. Sort of yeah. basic, basic research. And I suppose to that point, you know, we're also victims of the fact that there are, there are less journalists that are relying, as you say, on uh, the information that they receive. And often they're just measured on, uh, measured on clicks rather than the quality of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Alison, it's been a joy to speak this week. Just a couple of, um, of notes from, uh, from some of our fellow um, peak organisations. The MOV conference is coming up on the 13th of October. The LG Pro Women's Network Dinner on the 9th of November, as you say, always a very popular event. So um, we've got a VLGA um, live event coming up on the 28th of October in regard to the role of mayor. So um, keep an eye out for that. Um, registrations will be open for that next week. Um, but I think all it goes to say now is to Alison Watt, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it, Steve. That's terrific. Uh, maybe, maybe you'll invite me back. Well, maybe not. We'll, we'll look at the reviews um, and I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll be better about you than me. And of course, thanks again to our good friends at Hunt and Hunt. And um, with luck, I'll be speaking next week with Tony Rannick um, at the offices of Hunt and Hunt. Thanks, Alison. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Steve. Bye bye, everyone.